Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome to our Triune Pod. We are back for another episode of inspired, edifying, hopefully funny conversation. Ben, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. It's ordinary time. I'm feeling pretty ordinary. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just kind of lame up here. New York's allegedly coming back. But more importantly, I feel like we're crossing a threshold here. This is when we know we've arrived because we have our very first guest ever. And Nick Kamiski is going to introduce him. Not just any guest, man. We, I am sitting next to a thought leader and a personal friend of Bono, David, the Reverend Dr. David Taylor. How you doing, my dude? I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, pressing. I don't know what I like more as an intro thought leader or friend of Bono, but not, neither will ever be true of me. Uh, David, uh, I know a lot of people, you're much more well-known than either of us, so people probably know who you are. But um, just what do, you, what do you do? Who are you married to? Yes. Uh, what do you vape? You know, just get some <laughs> basic bio stuff. Um, okay, so I am, uh, let's see, Associate Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. That's my day job. Uh, married to Phaedra Jean, the art machine. Um, she's an artist, and she was born in Norway, raised in Scotland. I was born in Guatemala raised in Guatemala. Wow. And we both moved to the States when we were 13, which is the perfect age not to move <laughs> anywhere. That's true. And you don't, you don't vape. Uh, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. <good>. All right. <laughs> Let me check. <laughs> you you know, also know our Instagram post about Ben Affleck smoking the cigarette. That is definitely Nick Kamiski, the red Nick Kamiski for all of you in Raleigh. North Carolina. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, coming back from that. Um, so, you know, the, this podcast is about the colics. I do you know that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, I feel like you kind of have made a name for yourself writing colics. Is that true? Well, you might not, you might not narrate it like that, but you have deep engagement with the structure of colics. I do. I yeah. do. Yeah. Um, about six, seven years ago, I actually, in one of my courses at Fuller, I created an assignment where my students we were on the quarter system, so it's 10 weeks. And I, I taught them the colic form itself. And then every week I gave them a prompt. And so students, you know, from non-denominational traditions, non-Anglican traditions began writing, you know, colics. And one of the most satisfying and really, really fun experiences was by the end of the 10 weeks, <clears throat> they had actually acquired the instinct yeah yeah that they'd memorize the form (laughs) so then i I started writing my own just for fun every once in a while but last march when the pandemic started i really began it mainly i think as a personal practice like to help me process you know what was going on i began writing collects and then people i'd post them every once in a while then yeah i'd get people saying hey would you write a collect for you know grocers what's the weirdest one you ever got (laughs) um 
<laughs> I'm trying to, I mean, the, the one that is, stands in my mind is one that you wrote, oh. the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> um, that, and that was last year. That right? was last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, the, yeah, that yeah. was for our Super Bowl victory. That, that was yours, actually. Yeah, that, that's not nice. this year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I kept up the practice and I, I have, I think, about 240 that I've written. Oh, wow. So, yeah, but now it's just sort of like a thing. Um, this part of my own spiritual practice. I love That's it. Awesome. That is awesome. I, I'll say this. I think what you mentioned about the pandemic reminded me of this, but you had a book come out like right as the pandemic hit, right? The book on the Psalms. Did, yeah, 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 yeah. It came out March 10th. And that, like, it was that Friday that everything shut down was it the yeah the, they're like the, the rudy gobert game was that wednesday and then i yeah, think that uh -huh, friday uh -huh. is when you're yeah, 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 it did it did <laughs> I was like, and fail yeah when no one can concentrate publication <laughs> exactly. date i got a book but friends open and unafraid a guide to the psalms something like that is in the subtitle yeah the psalms that out. Uh -huh, mm -hmm, yeah in fact We've mentioned that after we're done with the colics, which we're we're halfway done, we might be moving to the Psalms. So your book just might be like our supreme source. So we'll just have to see. <laughs> That's true. All right, man. Let's spray the collect and then we'll have a little conversation about it. Let's do it. This is um, proper something. Six. Proper, proper six. six. <laughs> uh, this is how we'll pray to start the service on Sunday. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast faith and love that through your grace, we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. For the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right, well, this description, and we start by saying, uh, by asking the Lord to keep his household, the church, in God's steadfast faith and love. Any thoughts about that, my esteemed co-hosts? <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I, you know, how, how do you not fanboy on a colic prayer? I, I think it's, it's the most genius prayer because it has this logic to it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you have this address, you know, to God, and then this, you know, um, ascription. And it's, I was thinking about it this morning, how it's kind of a, if A, then B, right? Mm. If A happens, then B can happen, you know, the, the request. But if A doesn't happen, if we are not kept, you know, in this grace, this faith and love, right? Then we can't do that latter part. So, you know, what does it mean, you know, oh Lord, to keep your church, the household in faith and love? In, in a time when the church is rather divided, you know, mm. at least across this country. Mm. So I, I, I was thinking, you know, was, what does it mean for us to be kept in faith? And, and, and what, yeah, that's like, what interesting kind bird. of love are we to be kept in so that we can do, you know, this evangelism and service? Yeah. I think about it just, I mean, with my, <laughs> our listeners all know about my bachelorness, my, my failed relationships, uh, Nick loves to point them out, but you know, just like whether it's me or the, you know, the person you're dating, whether, I mean, if, if they're not in love with you, if, they, if they're not, and you may have been in love, mm. but if you don't stay in love, <laughs> it's just, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to stay in the relationship. And I see kind of a, a relational, uh, I guess, relationship to this. Like, if you don't keep us in your love, then we're not going to proclaim this truth. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't keep me, if I don't stay in love with, you know, Kayla, uh, I'm just, it's not going to work out. And uh, yeah, we're all about grace here, proceeding and following us. And I think that that's what I got from what you were saying. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think what jumps out in my mind is is the language of your household, the church. Mm. Is I don't is that a biblical phrase? I mean, the, there's the family of God, but the they, household of faith. The household of faith. Maybe that's somewhere in Paul. I don't know. But um, if I I like the, I, I wonder how many people experience the church as mm. as a household mm. in a positive way. Mm. Uh, you know, a household is structured by relationships, obviously Mm. it's a place to be known and loved and to feel very comfortable, but it's also a place of like order and business and, you know, like, like household to me almost connotates like chores, you know, and like not in a bad way necessarily, but there's a sense of by being a member of a family, by being a member of a household, you're like unconditionally loved, but you also have a role to play. You have like responsibility as being a member of the household. Uh, And I don't know. Yeah. That's just an interesting image in an interesting way of describing what the church is it's, it's a family and it's a it's yeah. a more than a family it's a household there's like structure and right like organizational heft to it i like um, that it, it like it, like the house is a metaphor right <clears throat> and if you said the family of faith or the people or the nation or the body all these other metaphors they send you in the direction right you can sort of visualize this thing and then you can visualize how the 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 people of God inside of it are related. But if the, if, if, if the church is sort of framed by this metaphor of a house, a house has walls and a roof. Yeah. Right. And it makes me think of my last year of seminary. I lived with uh, seven other people under a house, including one married couple and the rest of us were single. And uh, we're all under one roof. Right. So there's, there's like a bounded space. Mm. Like uh, at worst, we're trapped with each other mm. at best um we're we're i don't know how to say this we're lovingly framed towards one another because we have bedrooms next to each other quite literally yeah and we're in the same living room in the kitchen and 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 so what does it mean for the scattered and schismatic body of christ let's just say our country to get put all under one roof right Mm. that's just sort of a different imaginative space and then of course a family or at least a group of people who say we choose to live under one roof. It makes certain things possible mm. um, by being sort of bounded by walls and doors and windows and you know a roof. So I don't know. Yeah, that's good, man. Okay, well, this household of faith uh, is, like I said, has responsibilities, has has a mission, and then the actual request is that by God's grace, being kept in God's faith and love, that by God's grace we would proclaim. God's truth with boldness and minister God's justice with compassion. Truth with boldness, justice with compassion. I feel like we could talk about those those phrases for a while. Uh, <laughs> ben, anything anything jump out to you in that? Yeah, I want to actually start with the the latter part of it. Minister your justice with compassion, which is interesting because it's kind of a juxtaposition, right? We're going to proclaim the truth boldly, minister His justice with compassion. Uh, right now, <laughs> Christians talking about justice, uh, whether you're on the right or left, uh, there's not too much compassion mm. going around. Or that's not the first thing that I think about when I think of, you know, Christians on Twitter. But when <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, how might we, you know, again, this is God holding us steadfast in his faith 
and love? How might we minister God's justice with compassion? I, I thought of Will Campbell, the late Will Campbell. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. The person, uh, Fleming Rutledge is actually the one who got me familiar with him. He's a Southerner, a Baptist Habitat, minister. Habitat for Humanity guy. Is that Will Campbell? So I don't know about that, but he, so Baptist minister who was an activist during the civil rights era, uh, really one of those like Southern preachers who really came out in favor of civil rights reform when it was very uncool. Hmm. And Fleming has this story where she kind of had her like realization that she and her family were embedded in like, you know, racist systems or whatever. Hmm. Uh, and she went up to Will Campbell and essentially, you know, like all of us converts, like all of us who get excited about something, she wanted to tell him, hey, you know, like, my family, like, I don't have much time for them anymore. They're all a bunch of racists. And what Will Campbell said, this guy who got a lot of heat for doing unpopular things, standing up uh, for African-Americans in, in the 60s when, you know, a lot of people weren't, a lot of Southerners weren't, a lot of everyone wasn't. He told, he told her, funding, we're all racists. Like, that, that's not really helpful. And essentially, you're kind of dividing things further. So here's a guy who's not trying to maintain the status quo. He's an activist fighting for civil rights, but also saying like, to a, a lot of what we hear on Twitter, a lot of recent converts, like, you know, yelling at people, calling them racists, et cetera, that's not really helping either. And that's what I think about when I see minister your justice with compassion. Mm. So any th thoughts on that or anything with, you know, proclaiming your truth with boldness? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, in some ways I, I couple thoughts it almost feels like the way that we typically uh i don't have like i mean i just have anecdotal evidence for this assertion but i think we we probably think more about proclaiming truth with compassion and ministering justice with boldness mm. <laughs> you know i think we were very ambivalent about proclaiming the truth and so we try and like hedge and be mm. empathetic and we're extremely zealous and like uncomplicated in our pursuit of justice so the Gallic does kind of present some counter a counterintuitive way of thinking about it i mean i you know i um, yeah, I, I read this really great review of uh, everyone's favorite whipping boy, uh, White Fragility, the other day <laughs> in the Hedgehog Review about hmm. that said some very, you know, like constructive and appreciative things about the book, uh, you know, and that if, that it has such wide purchase on people's imagination is like probably a good thing, you know, in a lot of ways. And so it's not just a bad thing. But one of the, the points that she made, uh, the reviewer made uh, the critiques is that by making racist by making the designation of racist amoral, basically like, well, we're all, we're all racist. There's no need, every white person is racist. You don't need to feel guilty about it. Is it really robs the pursuit of justice with like a moral, with like a moral vision. Hmm. And, and so even though of course, guilt can be very deflating and not helpful, like for people like us, people in the majority, people who have relative power, privilege, however you want to frame that, it's actually important to understand yourself as like a forgiven sinner. And I think to, because as you minister justice, you pursue justice, if you understand yourself as someone who is unjust and has been been forgiven for their injustice, I think that births compassion in you, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not saying that's, that's not maybe relevant for everyone, but just speaking as like 35 year old white dude, my pursuit of justice is going to be, I think, in a good way tempered by the understanding that like, I have been forgiven mm. for my own injustice and I have been forgiven for my own dullness and numbness. Yeah, I am so an I'm alcoholic. Not, uh, what? I am an alcoholic. And then you can 
Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. yeah, I'm not like looking in judgment at the person across from me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a way in which we do want to universalize the guilt and like <laughs> to like deflate it. But we also want to like, we don't want to lose the particularity of like, yeah, but I have been shown mercy and forgiveness for my own mm. apathy. Mm. And that actually creates in me compassion and you know, a kind of spiritual generosity towards people who may not think about things the exact same way I think about them. Mm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, funnily enough, I, I keep thinking about this article in the Washington Post came out yesterday, I think, Sarah Pulliam Bailey, you know, she writes uh, the religion, one of the religion writers for the Post, and it was about Aaron and Jamie Ivey. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he's the worship leader, Austin Stone. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. In the Washington Post? Mm -hmm. Wow. And Jamie, uh, his wife, has a pretty, you know, big podcast that she runs. But they have four kids. One is natural born, white. One is adopted here in the States, black kid. And two are from Haiti, black kids. And it was basically, you know, asking them about their experience, certainly over the last year and a half and prior to it. And, uh, and both Jamie and, and Aaron sort of reckoning with the naivete of what it meant to adopt, you know, kids from other, you know, ra races and um, how they have, as a, as a family have, you know, wrestled um, with these realities in light of the fact that they are in a Baptist church, a very, very large, very prominent um, I think it was originally like an Acts 29. Yeah. Plant. I think it's Southern Baptist. Like, I think you have to dig very deep to find yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And, and so, and so Sarah was you know, bringing this Southern Baptist stuff, you know, to, to, to the front in light of the convention happening, you know, Nashville shortly. But I was thinking about that in light of the fact that sort of you have this house, you know, like a literal house that they have lived under. And by living under this house, this way has, has brought them into like a relational proximity that has been defined by relational care. Mm. And I was just thinking about how that colic, like if you don't have a sense of genuine care, then you can't do the boldness well, and you can't do the justice. Yeah, well. And I think sort of good. a care that's undergirded by a humility in the way you're talking about, like, I'm not telling you off on either front because I need that care as well. Mm. I need you to proclaim boldly. I need you to administer justice to me. And if, if you do have that care, which is so rare, you know, in social media, it's just, I, I think you fail at both ultimately. Mm. Right. Yeah. And it's so individualistic too. Like, I mean, this, this collect really assumes this is the church's work. And now, yeah. I mean, I'm a good Protestant. I'm, an individualist on, on some level, but yeah, no, th this collect is saying like, keep your household, the church, mm -hmm. uh, all of us so that mm -hmm. we might proclaim your truth with boldness, that we might administer your justice with compassion. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. All right, David, would you pray us out, man? Close this with the collect. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Keep, O oh Lord, your household, the church and your steadfast faith and love that through your grace, we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion for the sake of our savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. How about that episode of Our Triune Pod? 
Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite.